I'm Lee Jazzies, and you're listening to the Euro Trip podcast. Hi, I'm Asher Begovic, and you're watching Euro Trips. Hello, and welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. We are back for another week of European football reviews. I am your host, Andy, and as ever, I'm joined by our usual guests, Jonathan, Naeem, and Ryan. How are you, boys? Doing well. Good, thank you. Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Glad to hear it, glad to hear it. Are you all celebrating St. Patrick's Day at your end, or is it all not really a thing, your end? Nah, I've never, never celebrated it. No. <laughs> not, not big out here, no. <laughs> I'm surprised, because I thought um, St. Patrick's Day over there in America, Jonathan, was quite a big, quite a big deal. No, it is. People go crazy for it. Um, but currently, currently living here in Spain at the moment, and I have not seen one green shirt today, so. <laughs> oh, Okay. Unless I, always, I always forget you've moved to Spain. I, I still think you're in San Francisco, but um, I forget you've moved to Spain now. So, um, how, how's that going, by the way? Your time in Spain? It's going. It's going well. I'm still trying to do my best Spanish impression every time I speak. Speak fairly well, but they still somehow figure out that I'm American every time I walk into a restaurant <laughs> and talk in English. So I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know. No, fair play. Um, whilst we're mentioning Spain, we might as well go to La Liga. So, Naeem, what's been happening the last seven days in Spain? It's a last weekend. It wasn't really much of a high-scoring weekend for goals. So, I was going to quickly round up, obviously, the results that we had. So, starting off this weekend, on Friday it was, um, Atletico Madrid, they took on Cadiz, who obviously trying to fight relegation at the moment. They got a 2-1 win thanks to goals from Jao Felix and Rodrigo de Paul. They also had a man sent off in the game, but they had already won the game, so it didn't really matter too much. Levante, they earned a well, well-deserved well point away at home to Espanyol. They're obviously currently rock bottom at the moment. But out of the bottom three teams, they have got the better form. They've only lost once in the last five games. They've got two wins and two draws. So they're still... They're still six points from safety, but they have cut that gap down a little bit. Granada, they lost at home to Elche. You know, they, they're still in terrible form, still haven't won a game this year. Only one point off the drop zone, so it's going to be out of them. It's probably to stay up, but we shall see. Villarreal, they got a 1-0 win at home against Celta Vigo. Not too much to report on there. Getafe, they took on Valencia, and they probably would have felt that they should have won the game. Valencia didn't have any shots on target the whole game. Getafe did have a few good chances, but they couldn't convert, so that game ended 0-0. Sevilla, there's a way to Rayo Vallecano, who are obviously also in bad form as well. They drew again, so that is Sevilla's sixth game in a row away from home that they've drawn, so... Yeah, I can't, I can't see them winning the league now. They're just, they've been dropping too much points away from home at the moment. So I think it's Real Madrid to lose. You know, they're still in good form, Real Madrid. So and, and Sevilla, their 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 gap at the top uh, in second to third place is is cut down by quite a lot of points. So yeah, they might they might fall back a little bit further there. Real Betis, they won one 0 against Athletic Club. They they remain fifth at the moment. They've they've started to drop points themselves. Real Sociedad, they got a 1-0 win against Deportivo. Barcelona, they won 4-0 at home. Uh, Fernand Torres scored a brace. Bamiang was on the score sheet again. 
and Rick Puig. He rounded off the scoring. And the last game, which was on Monday, was Mallorca. They took on Real Madrid. And Real Madrid, they ran out 3-0 winners, thanks to goals from Vinicius, Vinicius Jr. and two goals from Benzema. One was from the penalty spot. So, Benzema's two goals this weekend. Um, he actually broke Henri's record for the all-time t- all top-scoring Frenchman. Henri was on 411, and now Benzema's on 413. And the way he's going, he's yeah, he's going to add more and more to that, because um, it doesn't look like he's going to be retiring anytime soon. So yeah, that was a quick roundup of the games over the weekend. Wasn't too many goals this weekend, as I said. So quickly, obviously, like I said, Levante rock bottom in 19 points. Deportivo are on 22 points in 19th spot. Cadiz, they got 24 points. Um, and obviously Granada, like I said, they're one point above them on 25 points. Mallorca, like I said, they're in bad form. They've lost countless of games in a row now. They're on 26 points, so yeah, they might get dragged in there if any of the bottom three teams can get 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 any wins here and there. Uh, top top half of the table, so in seventh place is Villarreal with 45 points. Real Sociedad have got 47 points. Real Betis have obviously dropped down to fifth, and they're on 49 points. Atletico Madrid, they're on 51 points, same as Barcelona, who are on 51 points as well. Sevilla in second place with 56 points. And top of the table is Real Madrid on 66 points, so they've got a 10-point gap over Sevilla. So, with all those games that Sevilla have been drawing away from home, their lead is only obviously now five points from Atletico and Barcelona, and they've been in better form over the last couple of games. So, Sevilla, I reckon they're still finishing the top four, but I think they might finish fourth fourth again so yeah not too much to happen there's not much of a title race only thing really exciting is he's going to go down really because there's only a couple points separating a few teams but yeah that's that's what's been going on the last weekend in spain but uh, quickly um obviously the european results atletico madrid they took on man united at old trafford on tuesday they got a 1-0 wing thanks to ren and lodi that obviously they've knocked out united now Villarreal yesterday, they got a, a fatic 3-0 win away um, against Juventus. Juventus did have the better chances, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you've got, you got to take your chances. And although Villarreal did score two penalties, they um, won 4-1 on aggregate. And currently at the moment, I believe Barcelona are taking on Galatasaray. Last time I checked, it was 2 Yep, they're still winning 2-1. Um, Galatasaray did score first, but... Um, Goals from Pedri and Aubameyang made it 2-1. So, obviously, the aggregate score is 2-1. Uh, Real Betis, they are playing later on. They are playing. One sec. I drank Frankfurt. That's the one. Frankfurt, yeah. They was losing. I believe it was... I think it was t- um, 2-1 in the first leg. So, they got mm-hmm. a bit to do there. Yeah, so that's a quick little roundup. So... There's obviously three, um, going into the draw tomorrow, there's obviously three Spanish teams. So, yeah, with, um, my league's doing all right so far. Um, and, yeah, that's a quick roundup of what's been going on. And that's all what I wanted to ask you about, Naeem, was the fact mm. that, you know, we saw Atletico beat Man U despite them being 15 points off the league, off top of the league in La Liga, and obviously winning the league last year is a huge drop-off. We saw Villarreal surprise Juventus. Um what is always these Spanish teams, no matter how their league form is, they always seem to deliver in Europe. Why do you think that is? I think, like, well, see, with the way they're playing, 
the way that obviously La Liga plays, obviously it's quite a technical um, league. You know, you've got got um, you've got teams obviously down at the bottom of the table that do play good football. But I think when they do come up, obviously, obviously with Athletic Madrid, everyone knows what they're doing. Obviously, as a Liverpool fan, you've played them a few times before. You know, mm-hmm. you know how Simeone is. You know, <laughs> he's very, very defensive against United. That game was it was quite boring to be fair. Like. There was points where players were like just just hoofing it up the field, wasting time like in the second half. But I think I think it's just yeah, it's just the, the way they play really. And you know, Spanish teams usually do well in Europe anyway. Like over the last couple of years, you know, Sevilla have won Europa League so many times in a row. You know, they won it recently, but I think two seasons ago. But I think I think it's just their style of play. Um, it's, it's obviously different to the other leagues. So. I, th- I think that's where they come. They do well there, so it's going to be interesting to see who they get in the next round. Um, I hope. I just hope that it's obviously they don't get each other because it's, it's always good to see you know teams from different countries playing each other. But yeah, I think that's probably the reason why. And obviously, Athletic Madrid they're they're different. You know, they'll they'll get the one goal and then they'll just defend the whole game. But they're just, they're, they're such they're such a good team at the dark hearts. You know this. Winning fouls, you know, play acting, um, faking injuries, just wasting time. So they're they're, they're always going to be a hard team to beat. But obviously with Barcelona, uh, sorry, no, um, Barcelona in the Europa League. Obviously with Real Madrid, uh, Real Madrid and Villarreal. Obviously Villarreal won the Europa League last season, and they're doing they're doing they're, they're doing well. I didn't I didn't actually expect them to to obviously go through the next round because Juventus have started to pick up form as well. But mm. yeah, I think. Overall, yeah, I think it's just a style of play, really. I just don't think teams know how to cope with it, really. Yeah, and it's interesting to see what happens in the next round. I mean, I've got this big feeling that it's going to be Liverpool City in the quarterfinal. I've been I've had this feeling for a few days now. I think that I don't know, something just tells me it's going to be as to, as playing them in the next round. I've just got this horrible feeling we're going to get... I mean, the team I want the least is probably Atletico Madrid, because I think we always struggle against Simeone's kind of play. We've done that in recent times. Mm. And I just think that um, yeah, I just got this, this horrible feeling that you know we're gonna we're gonna get City in the next round, which I, I don't want them at all because they're probably the best team in the whole of the tournament. So it's um, I'm hoping to get someone like Benfica. That that's why um, that's, that's my Benfica. hope anyway. Yeah, Benfica probably Villarreal, but you never know Villarreal. Yeah, but Villarreal. I mean, I watched I watched a bit of the game yesterday whilst watching Liverpool Arsenal, and it was. Mm. Um, they look good. I mean, I think until the, the the first goal, I think Juventus had their chances. Villarreal had locked this ball, but couldn't quite get get the any end product. And then as soon as that goal went in, Juventus just collapsed in that second half, and and um, they just in the end it was a comfortable three 0 win. But I think obviously Unai Emery, you guys will know well. He's um, obviously mm. didn't to see the Arsenal, but in Europe he's got to a final with Arsenal. He's won three or four Europa leagues with Sevilla and Villarreal. He's won so many in Europe, and I think that even though that's Europa League. I think he's got that experience in Europe, and he, he um, seems to know. Yeah, seems to know how um, to get done in Europe. But obviously, one team I think everyone's sleeping on personally is Bayern Munich. I think everyone's yeah. talking about as a city. Everyone's talking about Real Madrid and even Chelsea, but no one's really mentioned Bayern Munich. And I think this is where I want to get Jonathan involved. Um, is the fact that you know they're winning the league every year comfortably, but they're still performing well in Europe and no one is really talking about them. Maybe for that reason, I don't know. Um, what are your thoughts, Jonathan, on on the chances of um, of Bayern Munich for the rest of the tournament? Do you think they're, again, a team that one of the favourites or obviously someone who watches them week in and week out, you'll know a lot more than us how they're playing in Bundesliga, even though they're winning the league. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've picked 
uh, Byron a few weeks ago in the podcast when we were talking about our predictions for the Champions League to win, and I still really like them. Um, I mean, that first round against Salzburg, they tied 1-1 in the first leg, and, you know, it felt like a lot of a lot of people were coming out and saying they think Salzburg is going to take this one, they're going to surprise Bayern. Um, and, of course, you know, after that weekend before that second leg, Bayern, you know, put in a pretty poor performance in the Bundesliga, and then they came right back out and, and destroyed them 7-1. So I, I really like them. Um, they, they tied Hoffenheim this past weekend. They, they missed a lot of chances. But, I mean, the amount of opportunities Nagelsmann's system creates – um, I think gives the edge to, to Bayern City and, and maybe Liverpool. And um, I think this could be Bayern's year, especially if, you know, Lewandowski becomes Lewandowski. Mm. I mean, that's one thing they do have is the fact that they have got, for me, the best striker in the world. Um, I think, you yeah. know, people have praised Kane and Benzema in recent weeks, but I think no one in the last few years has touched what he's done in terms of out-and-out strikers, the goals he's producing, um, really should have won in Ballon d'Or and um, yeah, I think he's been excellent and I think that as long as he's in that team, as long as I think Neuer's back to his best as well in goal, I mean, Uf Meccano from what I've gathered, being a bit hit and miss um, you know, people like Leroy Sane, Serge Gnabry Joshua Kimmich, they've got some really good players in that team and I really do think that you know um, they're such a good team all around, I think Nagelsmann is a great young mind, I think he's a really good manager, I think he's going to be in the next five, ten years, seen as maybe the best in the world, if not one of the best in the world managers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as well, Alfonso Davies is coming back. He's mm. had COVID and he's been out with some sort of heart issue for the last couple of months. And so they've missed him and that speed on the left side. I don't think anybody can, in Europe can, can stop him. No, nah, absolutely not. Um, and then Ryan will go to you as well. Obviously, Italian clubs, um, Inter Milan went out, but that was expected against Liverpool. But obviously, we mentioned it then before Juventus is their big shock exit in the uh, in this round. I mean, they hadn't lost the game since November. They were flying on all cylinders. You know, they hadn't got a new striker in. They're only seven points off to, off top of the league in Serie A now, and they're only they're also seven points ahead of fifth. Um, what what are your thoughts about is exit from Juventus? Do you think it's just one of those days, or do you think there's a a deeper problem with the loss they had yesterday? It's evidently a deeper problem because this is not the first time we've seen uh, Juventus go out in recent years to, you know, a, the so-called smaller teams in the competition. Um, you know, obviously, we've seen it this year with uh, Villarreal, but in recent years, they've gone out to Porto, they've gone out to Lyon, unexpectedly so. So, there is obviously a, a problem at Juve and... When you look at the lineup, I don't think you can really be that surprised that they didn't go through. Ultimately, they've got slightly a better team than Villarreal, but the the lack of balance between midfield and the strikers is quite evident. When you're playing a midfield four of Cuadrado, Locatelli, Artur, and Rabiot, you know you're not. That's not the most creative midfield, in my opinion, and. You know, you've got Alvaro Lemarata up front, who, for me, is just awful. <laughs> told you, I, I told you this in the Euros podcast, but none of you listened. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, he's he's a bit like Marmite, isn't he? You, you know, you mm. like him or you don't. And my opinions change on him, you know, time and time again. But ultimately, 
they've only got the one player in that team that can make a difference. That's Vlahovic, and he can't do it all by himself. So I wasn't shocked to see them go out. I did think that they would win narrowly, but prior to the game. But again, I'm not I'm not surprised that they've gone out, and it's going to take a you know a big job to to really get that team going again. And it'll be interesting to see what they do in the summer because they're arguably you know one of the best teams in Europe in terms of being able to get you know those really good free agents in the door and obviously there's going to be a lot of those available in the summer so we could perhaps see Paul Pogba go back there um, but they also could be losing Paolo Dybala on a free he's continuously linked with Inter so it's going to be very interesting to see what they actually do in the summer. Yeah, and I felt that when I was watching the game yesterday, I think taking well, the whole game really, I think they definitely were. They seem to be putting all their eggs into the one basket of Vlatovic. They're, they're, they're all their attacks seem to be the same way, just all getting trying to get all to him and trying to hope that he does something uh, does something for them. And I think that midfield used to really surprise me. First of all, Cadrado being captain was a surprise in itself, and then Rabio playing left mid. I mean, that's something I don't think I've ever seen Rabio playing. I, I don't think, is, is he normally playing left mid for Juventus or what's the... Um, not normally. That? He's not a left midfielder by any means. He's, <laughs> for me, he's one of the most overrated footballers I've ever oh, yeah, watched. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely awful and I don't know, you know, obviously they got him on a free transfer at the end of the day, but he will be one of, a, you know, a fair few players that they'll be looking to, to ship out. Obviously they got rid of Aaron Ramsey um, to Rangers, but you know, that that even that wasn't permanent, you know. And there's other players in that team, the likes of um, Archer, Weston McKenney, Rabio himself, that they want shot of. So, you know, it doesn't always work with these free transfers. But mm-hmm. you know, trying to get rid of them with their wages, and especially with Rabio, because for anyone who doesn't know him that well, you know, his mother is his agent, I think, and she is someone who is very difficult to deal with as PSG will know so <laughs> no one's going to want that hassle and one thing I one more thing I want to ask you Brian apologies for our listeners for dragging this on about Juventus but obviously watching the game you know there for years and years that the event's been set on having two great leaders in Benucci and Chiellini obviously there were on the bench yesterday and even though no Benucci wasn't but it was only it was a Chiellini or one of them's injured one of them's on the bench anyway and they both seem to be at the end of their careers and I think we saw yesterday there was a real lack of leadership and obviously the mistake from Rugardi for the penalty was poor um, obviously the fact that Cadrado's captain was a big sign in itself is that a fear for you if you've entered as well the fact that if not really because it's probably not going to be it's probably going to be within the next one year two year or three years when both Benucci and Clini do either leave or retire uh, do you think that there's going to be a problem after they leave in terms of developing that leadership um, on the pitch it's a massive problem, you know. They, when you look at their defence, it's incredibly average. You know, Matteo uh, De Chevio isn't, uh, you know, a great fullback. He's versatile, but he isn't that good. Danilo is all right, but he, again, he's not that great. Rugani isn't very good, and Delic hasn't really ever settled in since making the move from Ajax. I don't. I think you know. There's been a few whispers and rumours over the last sort of. 12 to 18 months that he he wants to leave um obviously he's got you know a super agent in charge so we could definitely see that potentially happening and you know you mentioned it there with with Chiellini 
Uh, Benucci gets a lot of injuries, so you could tell he's definitely towards the end of his career. Chiellini, again, is, is getting on. Um, he's made a couple of mistakes as well this season. So they've got a massive rebuilding job to do. Like I say, they're, and, it, and it can't all be done in one window. Of course it can't, but you know, it's, it's a massive summer window for them. It really is. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to see what, what they do in the summer. Um, but we mentioned a few Spanish teams are playing English teams tonight. It's a perfect chance to... Um, actually, you know we mentioned Juventus. We might as well stick with Italian football here. Um, so, Ryan, what's been happening in the last seven days in Syria? So, it was a weekend in which Milan, Napoli and Juventus all won. But did Inter Milan? No. <laughs> <laughs> they they could only manage a one one draw away to Torino, and they only managed that thanks to a, a Alexis Sanchez equaliser in the ninety third minute. And with that result, they now trail in third place, four points behind their fierce rivals AC Milan, and one point behind Napoli. Although they still have that game in hand, which might get played sometime within the next decade. But <laughs> who knows? You know, it seems to keep going on and on and on. But in terms of the top four, I mean, it's pretty much sealed now, you'd imagine. Juve, they're in fourth. They're seven points clear of Lazio in fifth place. Atalanta, they're, I think, eight points behind Juve. They have a game in hand, but even if they win that, five points. It depends how Juve respond after this week. But, you know, I mentioned, you know, we've just spoken about them. They got, you know, smashed last night at home to the Dark Lord himself, Unai Emery. Um <clears throat> You know, I he he is a manager that you, you can't help but like. You know, he's he is a very very good manager. It didn't work at PSG for him. Didn't work at Arsenal. He was never an Arsenal kind of manager at the end of the day. But ultimately, you know, he does well as the underdog, and they're not going to be an easy team to beat by any stretch of the imagination. So. You know, I'm, I'm I'm glad to see that he's doing well. Um, elsewhere, Roma they needed another 94th minute penalty uh, to rescue a point away at Udinese. Uh, Lazio they won on the Monday night football, narrowly beating Venezia one nil, uh, thanks to the league's top goalscorer King Chiro Immobile who converted from the spot. In terms of the bottom three, I think the current bottom three of Salernitana, Genoa, and Venezia for me will all go down. We can't count out Cagliari and Sampdoria. They could definitely get dragged into that. There's a few teams at the bottom that have games in hand on each other. So it's still a lot of movement, I think, to be had. But there's about nine to ten games left of the campaign. So there's still, obviously, everything to play for in the top and the bottom of the league. And, yeah, I'm intrigued to see who does win it because when you look at the probably the three maybe four protagonists now. Do any of them really deserve to win it this season? In my opinion, no. None of them have been outstanding. And for me, it'll be almost a, a poor winners kind of thing. Almost, it's probably a bit disrespectful, but almost when Leicester won it, you know, they only won it really because the teams that you normally get up there all had off-seasons, in my opinion. And that's almost what we're getting in Serie A this season. You know, none of the top ones are, you know, going on these massive unbeaten runs, uh, blowing teams away. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what does happen. 
uh, again, the summer window is going to be vital. AC Milan now going to. We already knew that they were going to lose Frank Kessie. Uh, it looks like he's off to Barcelona on a free transfer. Wow. wow, I don't don't really understand that at all. When they've got the likes of Pedri and Gavi, Busquets still is you know that don't make sense to me. Uh, you'd imagine he'll be on quite hefty wages as well. You'd think they'd want to move away from that, but you know uh, it's it's, it's going to be very interesting to follow the updates throughout the summer. Yeah, I think it's certainly, you know, the Premier League now become one of the best title races in the in Europe. But I think the Italian one is still, you know, we're seeing in the Premier League a title race with t- two teams that are playing such good football. Where it seems we've got a big title race in Italy with no one playing good football. Everyone's sort of losing games and drawing games. So it's um, two exciting leagues with a complete different um, a complete contrast in um, I mean, the way the team's playing. Just just a, a shout-out as well. You know, I was very shocked today to see that Fakai uh, Tamori wasn't selected for England. For yeah, what's that one? Outrageous. Outrageous. He's, he, he's been one of the best defenders in Serie A this season, mm-hmm. especially lately. He's been in such good form. And the fact that he has not been selected is, you know, quite shocking, in all honesty. Um, you know, I didn't understand a few of his selections, but, you know... Mm-hmm. What do you what do you reckon it is? What because he plays in a different league? Like it might be, you know, that you get this Premier League bias quite often, and, and Southgate does contradict himself anyway. Because when he first came in, he said he'll pick players on form, and uh, Harry Maguire certainly yeah. didn't John Stones has hardly played really this season as well. Yeah, I it's mean, just, you know, it, it, it's it's strange. I understand in a sense why he picked these players because they are leaders. Mm. You know, Maguire and Pickford especially have been poor, especially lately, and they're still getting picked. Um, Pickford will probably still be the number one ahead of Ramsdale, which isn't obviously the case. Ramsdale is a much better goalkeeper. But, yeah, I understand why Sancho and Rashford were left out, but it's you know nothing really makes sense when it comes to Gareth Southgate. <laughs> I mean, I will defend him here, the fact that I've yet to see the Pickford or Maguire make a mistake for their country. I mean, some players seem to rise to the occasion in, uh, at international level, and it can be the same vice versa with some players who perform better for their club than their country, like Ryan Giggs, for example. But I think with this case, I think that until Maguire and Pickford play badly for England, I still think i got no problem with them being the team. Pickford like it was an animal in the Euros and the World Cup, for that matter. Maguire had a good tournament, and I think that... He's some obviously Southgate wants players you can trust. I think as, in, as long as these players are performing well for him, that's probably all he cares about, really. Um, but I do like that he's picked where he for Palace. I do like he's gone for him mm-hmm. and Connor Cody. I'm a big fan of Connor Cody, but um, yeah, I mean, I would have definitely included Tamori personally ahead of John Stones personally, and may, maybe even Ben White to, to a certain extent, or even Luke Shaw. But um, but yeah, I, I think that's. Um, Interesting, interesting decision. But sticking with England, let's head to the Premier League. Now, when we did the podcast last week, uh, there were some games being played on that evening. So those games saw Chelsea get a 3-1 away win at Norwich to further compare Norwich's relegation woes. Uh, Mason Mount, Kai Havertz and Trevor Chalibur got the goal for Chelsea, as well as Timo Pukki from the spot. Newcastle got another win. They won 2-1 against Southampton. And Sampson's goal came from Stuart Armstrong, whereas Newcastle's goals came from Chris Wood, who got his first goal since joining from Burnley, and Bruno Camaros, who got his first goal since joining Leon. And what a goal that was. 
Wolves got an impressive 4 0 win against Watford. Goals from um, Jimenez, Neves, Pedence, and an own goal from Chucho. And then Villa got a 3 0 win away to Leeds with goals from Callum Chambers, Matty Cash, and Philippe Coutinho. Now, Saturday, so at least three games, as Liverpool beat Brighton 2 0, a game I was at. More on that in a bit. Uh, Brentford beat Burnley 2 0. Um, with both goals coming from Ivan Tony, And then what a game, saw Man U beat Spurs 3-2, with a hat-trick from Ronaldo, including a wonderful goal from Range. And then Harry Kane got a goal, as well as an own goal from Harry Maguire. Um, other games on the Sunday, there was five or six here. Chelsea won 1-0, thanks to a late goal from Kai Havertz, in a controversial game with VAR being a big factor. Uh, the woes continue for Everton. They got another loss. A 1-0 win for Wolves, scored by the aforementioned Connor Cody. Leeds got a very vital win, 2-1 to Norwich, with goals from Rodrigo and Kenny McLean, who scored in the 92nd minute, before Gelhart scored in the 95th minute to send Ellen Road rocking. Uh, Southampton lost 2-1 to Watford, with two goals from Chucho, as well as a goal from Al Unissi. And then West Ham got a 2-1 win against Villa, with an emotional goal from Yarmolenko, as well as a goal from Fournals, as well as a wonderful consolation from Jacob Ramsey. Big win in the top four race. Arsenal won 2-1 against Leicester, was a header from Lacazette, a header from, from Partey, and a penalty from Lacazette. And then the big news on top of the league, City dropped points away to Palace with a 0-0. Uh, before Liverpool, on the net, on two days later, won 2-0 away to Arsenal with goals from Jota and Bobby Firmino. And then Spurs on the same night beat Brighton 2-0 away from home with goals from Harry Kane and Christian Romero before a big game tonight in the bottom of the league as Everton play Newcastle, which some people are calling their biggest game in 20 years. Uh, now, before we mention that game, uh, I want to just have a talk, talk about my experience. Now, um, anyone who's talked about Twitter on the weekend would have seen I was actually in the press box. Uh, for the Brighton Liverpool game, which I got through my university. Um, what experience that was, first of all. I mean, I was in the same press conference as Graham Potter and Jurgen Klopp, which is amazing to be near Jurgen Klopp itself, someone who's a big, big hero of mine. Um, and yeah, I even asked Potter a question, and that was an amazing experience. And obviously, in the room beforehand, I was in the same room as Tony Pulis and Peter Drury and Clive Tilsley. Just want to say, if they're listening in from the uni, a big thank you for the opportunity you gave me. Um, and obviously, one thing I was talking to about with, with Peter Drury, actually, was um, Everton's problems. And this is what I want to talk about with you guys now. Um, if they lose tonight, and then they could play their next game in the bottom three. I mean, there's no there's games next week, but neither Watford or Everton are playing. Then the week after that, or two weeks after that, um, see us play Watford at half 12 on a Saturday. If Watford get a result, or even a draw out of this game, Everton will be in the bottom three. I mean, who would have thought that at the start of the year? Um only goal difference separates Everton and Watford. They're in a terrible run of form. We're seeing teams like Leeds, their their ground is rocking. Um, other teams running Burnley have always got the big support, you know. But Goodison Park seems completely just it's like it's like a morgue, it's like a wake, it's like a funeral. The atmosphere there, it's just it seems like the crowd are just almost deflated and the players don't know how to respond. I mean, we all blame Rafa and also that seems the problem, but since then Lampard's come in and the same problems are arising. And, you know, we um, I was very critical of Ancelotti leaving Real Madrid for Real Madrid from Everton because I thought he was doing something good there. But since he's left, it's all fallen apart. And I don't know whether Ancelotti um, knew that was going to happen. He could sense it coming. And that's why he jumped ship and went to Madrid and took the chance. Or whether he just took the chance anyway because it's Real Madrid. Um, but what are your boys' thoughts on this? Could they actually go down? Yes. I think 
<laughs> I think there's a there's a great chance. I mean, luckily they do have a couple of games in hand against against some of the the teams slightly lower than them. But if you look, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule mm. right now for their remaining Premier League games. I mean, they've got West Ham, United, Palace, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester, Arsenal. I mean, they, they don't they don't face a lot of the the bottom team, so they really, really could use a win tonight. Um, but I, at the end of the day, I think they do stay up by the skin of their teeth just because I think they're going to – they have enough quality to get those draws and get one point out of – one point from games, um, you know, when compared to some of those other teams like Watford or, or Burnley or, or even Leeds. Yeah, who do you feel is going to go down, guys? Do you think um... – I'm going to give everyone a chance to do their bottom three. Um, so I'm going to go for my bottom three to go down. I'm going for um, Norwich, Watford, and then I'm going to go. I'm going to go for Leeds. I think I know they won against Norwich, but that's against Norwich. And I just think that I've been saying it pretty much since November, December time, and I'm going to stick with it. I think Everton are in the worst form. They're probably the team mm-hmm. with the most fear right now. I just got a feeling it'll still be Leeds. Um, what about you, boys? I'll let um, Naeem go first. Yeah, Norwich, they probably will pick up another win here and there, but ultimately, yeah, they'll they'll go down. Burnley, when they got Weghorst in, you know, there was a little decent run. I think they was on beating them like, a lot, like three games, but they've, they've lost their last three games now, and the goals have started to dry up. So I think I think they'll probably just miss out and they'll go down as well. And I, I think Everton will be the last team as well, man, because... Mm. Out of the teams there, out of the teams in and around them, they have won here and there. But with Everton, they've just lost so many games in a row. And bringing Lampard in, I think that was the wrong idea, really. Um, I know they, they was meant to get another manager in, but obviously the fans, they protested and they didn't want, want him in. But Lampard, he hasn't got any experience of a relegation dogfight. So, I don't know, can he motivate the players to... Get, get them the points they need because I think that was a wrong appointment anyway. And with Everton, the way they've been run over like the last couple of seasons has been awful. Like their recruitment's not been that well. And I remember there was one time where they bought like I think about four centre mids in one one transfer window. But <laughs> it's, 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 it's I think it's just years and years of obviously they've 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 had good managers. But which is the funny thing about it, like Coman is not a bad manager. Benitez isn't a bad manager. Ancelotti is not a bad manager, but I, th- I think recruitment has just kind of just set them back, really. And I, I think I think they'll go down. I just I, I, I don't think they'll even win tonight. To be fair, because Newcastle they, they were unlucky to lose on the weekend. To be fair, mm. they've been in really good form. Um, obviously, since Eddie Howe's come in and they brought a few players in, so I'll, I'll go for Norwich, Burnley, and Everton to go down. But it'll be it will be tight though. It will be tight. Yeah, I think it is. Just I think the whole ownership being that they'll get a new stadium in obviously mm. money obviously that's somehow in the most recent one you know they spent was it they got Begovic for free they got um they spent like something like two million or something on players yes. it was something like Townsend was and Gray wasn't it Gray Townsend and Begovic and they were all sort of very cheap deals and yeah I think the one Gray was on like one million five hundred thousand yeah. pounds or something like that it was cheap they didn't yeah. really back. They didn't really back Rafa, did they? Really? No. So he's always going to he's always going to fail there. Really? Well. Yeah, I think that Cavalier. I mean, he's someone I'm a big fan of, but he's not been. He's been injured for most of it. Yeah. Did 
did affect Rafa for a lot of his time there because he scored in in all of his first three games. Cavalier did before his injury, and I don't know whether it's the fact that you know Ancelotti made him look good or not, or whether the injury he just hasn't really recovered from it this year. Um, but also, he's not been the same. McCallis has not been the same. I mean. Gordon's been probably the only player that's come out of this whole spell with any sort of credit, Anthony Gordon. Yeah, he's um, good, to be fair. He's yeah. only one of us, but he's coming in with no pressure. I mean, these big names, Michael Keane's been terrible, so overrated. Um, obviously, they sold Vignay. Um, obviously, he would have been a massive difference if he was there. I mean, they're, they, they, they're bringing back John Joe Kenny, who they, they loaned to Schalke when he got relegated. It's it's a mess, really. It's a mess, um, big mess. Yeah, uh, Ryan. What what are your three to go down? I'm picking my three based on the fact that I don't like them. Burnley's <laughs> <laughs> one of them, then. <laughs> Burnley are one of them, yeah, because I, I don't like the the serial moaner that is Sean Dyche. Um, so they're one of them. Norwich, although I live quite close to, the, to them, I hate a lot of their fans, so <laughs> they'll go down. And Everton as well, simply because. They make the most ridiculous decisions possible. You know, they. I, I think they only made these signings in the summer because, because they spent so much in recent windows that yeah. eventually financial fair play was going to catch up with them and they simply could not spend any more without selling anyone, you know, else. I think that's why Calvert Lewin and Ricarlison have been linked, you know, with moves away. But. You know, bringing in Deli Alley when you're in a relegation fight. Outrageous. Why would you do that? Someone who's not bothered to even try to get into Tottenham's team. Someone who doesn't really care. He doesn't, he's not motivated. So that made no sense. Donny van der Beek, he must, you know, he must be crying himself to sleep every night. He could have gone to Crystal Palace. Look yeah. how they're doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and look, look at the state that, you know, he's in now and, Bringing in Frank Lampard as well. Now, I, I like Frank Lampard, just not as a manager. He's just not very good. Nope. He didn't, didn't do any good at Derby. He didn't do any good at Chelsea. And I would be surprised if he's a manager of Everton next season. But uh, one one thing, though, if Leeds do go down, that I saw today, apparently um, Rafinha's release clause will change from £75 million to £25 million. Jeez. Which would be FSG a... for listening to that. You know what to do. You <laughs> know what to do. Nah, you've already got Lewis Diaz, man. You've already got Lewis Diaz. You don't need any more f- attacking players. You've got <laughs> 35. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think if, if we're going to battle City, if they get Erling Callum as well, um, we need oh. as much as we can get. And if we're, if we're hell bent on making sure Salah leaves the club, I mean, oh, I mean, we need all we can get, really. Um, I mean, he's someone I've been crying out for for ages. I think he'd be absolutely perfect for our team. And I, I'm a big fan of Rafinha, so um, yeah, he, he, I, he is a great player. He, for me, he would be. If anyone I could see him going to, it would probably be Tottenham. If anyone, reckon? Yeah, they haven't. They've got obviously Son and Kane, but to add him to that would be a formidable front three. And I don't think Liverpool need him yet. I don't think Arsenal need him. United don't need him really. They've got enough wingers. City don't. Chelsea don't really, so I don't really see. You know, maybe he could maybe end up at Newcastle or something. Him and mm. Saint Maximan on either wing would be yeah. exciting. I mean, he um, can play centre as well. He has played centre. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be good in that position for us, especially. Imagine Fabinho, Thiago, and Rafinha middle three. That would be excellent. It's, 
it's frustrating enough being an Arsenal fan and watching them bring on Salah and Firmino off the yeah. bench when yeah. they've got a front three as good as they already had on the pitch. Like, that was annoying enough. And when we've only got Enketia to bring on, <laughs> that's, you know... Shows the levels. It, it, it shows, yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. But it's going to be interesting because I don't think Haaland is fully yet set on Man City. I think there's still maybe a surprise to be, you know, chucked in the works there maybe. But I don't know. Uh, I, I still think Man City will win the title. Holland, Holland to Leeds United. <laughs> I don't think he'll like championship football. <laughs> championship, yeah. To be fair, Rafinha would be. I think it'd be actually a great signing for you guys. Actually, at Arsenal, I think he'd be perfect for the mm. way you guys are playing at the moment. Especially if you get if you get in Champions League football next year, you know, I think he'd be great Ooh. for that for the squad. And I think he's he'd be excellent for you guys. Imagine him, Martinelli. You know, him, Martinelli. If he stays Lacazette, but imagine if you get a new striker in. Imagine, imagine in your midfield with um, Smith Rowe and Partey or Udegaard. I think he'd be a great signing for you guys, actually, as well. I think he could come to you as well if they get relegated, or even if they don't. I think he'd come to Arsenal. I think we, would def- we could definitely get him, but for some reason, we're continuously being linked with wingers, and we don't need wingers. We've got Martinelli, we've got Saka, we've got Pepe still on the books. <laughs> you know, it, what's going to happen with him? Um, you've got Smith Rowe who can't even get a game at the moment Odegaard's playing Great. unbelievable uh, Partey has really been playing well lately even Shaka's been really good lately as well so we don't necessarily need midfielders in that position You know, we need strikers and we need a right back because Tommy Asu doesn't look like he's ever going to get rid of this calf injury and Cedric although he's been decent lately Ain't it? So, yeah, I'd, I'd rather us focus on other areas than potentially looking at that. You know, we're still a couple of years behind City and Liverpool, in my opinion, in terms of having that squad together of a squad of world-class players, not just an 11 of world-class players. Yeah, and before we go on to you, Jonathan, I just want to actually go, we mentioned Firmino before, I actually want to really praise him for... Um, his involvement in the second goal. I mean, this is a guy who uh, he knows now. He's been not a starter for a while now. He's come back from an injury. He starts on the bench. He comes off the bench and scores a really, really important goal for this season. I think that looking at the goal itself, I mean, in a, in a build to the goal, he put, he does so well to win the ball back in the first place. And then he he gets in the, in the right position and gets a goal. I think you have to really praise that mentality from for me. That you know, some players you know they're on they're on the bench, they're bench warmer. You know, their heads could drop and they could not want to perform. But he sort of, I think he he yeah he knows he's not the starter. Jota seems to have taken his place, or even Diaz for that matter. And he's literally just come off the bench after a big injuries. First came back after a month or so off, and he scored a really important goal. So just want to praise for me, you know. And for him be involved in that goal. Um, and then, Jonathan, before we do head to the Bundesliga, um, who are your three teams good at from the Premier League? I think Norwich. Norwich is a sure thing, so they'll be going down. Getting tired uh, of Burnley, so I'm really just hoping, you know, they spent at least a year down there, could, could use a few-year break from them. And then Watford, I think, should just get punished for... Changing managers every every other day. 
<laughs> it is an outrageous system. It is completely <laughs> insane. Because Chelsea, they do it at Chelsea and it works fine because they seem to actually find the right people, but Watford haven't got the same luxury. And we've had some exciting leagues. We'll talk, we'll talk about the title race in Serie A. We've talked about the title race in the Premier League and everything else involved, the relegation, etc. But one league that isn't having a title race, as per usual, is the Bundesliga. So, Jonathan, our final league today. What's been happening the last seven days over in Germany? Well, I'll start with Bayern, who, of course, are still leading the Bundesliga this season. They tied with Hoffenheim, a really good side, 1-1. This weekend, uh, they created so many chances, Bayern did, in the second half. Uh, but really good defending by Hoffenheim. Kept them in the game and gave them a well-deserved point. Um, Oliver Bauman in goal was excellent. Even a great save. A diving, sliding save by Stephen Posh um, to save a goal against Bayern. Gave them a tie. Looks like Lewandowski is a... Doubts for this weekend at Union Berlin has a little bit of a knock. Um, Nicholas Sule is also injured. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Lewandowski. I mean, reports saying that that contract talks haven't even opened yet with his agent and with Bayern. Uh, his contract ends in the summer of 2023. Um, you know, people are saying if he doesn't sign something this summer, he's going to be looking to make a move in 2022 before ending in 2023. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that as talks hopefully progress sometime soon. Freiburg beat Wolfsburg 3-2. Big brace from Vincenzo Grifo, who's been playing really well this year. And then an absolute stunning goal from Nico Schlotterbeck, won in the game. Uh, Freiburg went up a couple goals. Wolfsburg came back, and and, they lost again. So great win from Freiburg as they're continuing to push for somehow a Champions League place, which would be an absurd thought uh, to start the season. Gladbach tied with Hertha 2-0. Excuse me, they beat Hertha 2-0. A big win for Gladbach. But Hertha's, they've got changes coming again. Typhon Korkut, their Turkish manager, is out. Felix Magath is in. Um, he's 68 years old, German coach, most notably played for Hamburg. You know, he coached Bayern. He won a title with Wolfsburg in 2009. Schalke, Frankfurt, Werder. He's even coached Fulham. He's been around, um, but his last coaching gig was five years ago in the Chinese Super League. So it's been a hot second. He is 68, and of course, um, just announced as the Hertha coach and has just gotten COVID. So first week, he's got a game this weekend, supposed to come in and help save their season from relegation, and he has COVID. Um, I mean, it's classic Hertha. You know, he's 68, so, you know, Hopefully he's going to be all right, but I mean, it's just, it's just things, you know, keep getting worse for Hertha and it's comical at this point. They haven't won a competitive game in 2022 yet, and I really don't see them winning anytime soon. So good luck, Hertha fans, um, but you guys are going down. All right, we'll go to Colin um, Leverkusen. Leverkusen lost. They, they actually lost a lot more than, than just three points. ACL injury for Florian Wirtz. He's going to be out at least six months. Um, So any summer transfer that could possibly happen this year, which was unlikely to begin with, looks to be out the window. Reports are saying that Leverkusen wants to keep him at least until 2024 and and trying to set a $150 million release clause or 150 million euro release clause for him. Jeremy Frimpong, who's been great at the right back spot for them, uh, the Netherlands international is out for this season too. 
Patrick Schick is still out. They just lost to Atalanta, so they're out of the Europa League. Um, but yeah, a, a terrible, terrible weekend for Leverkusen, not just with their loss as I still think that they'll be able to get one of those Champions League spots, but it's going to be that much more difficult now. Frankfurt beat Bochum 2-1. Dortmund had a couple of games. They beat Armenia over the weekend 1-0 with a Marius Wolf goal, and they beat Mainz midweek. It was a postponed game because of some COVID problems at Mainz, and they won 1-0 as well with an Axel Witzel Big-time goal to get them all three points. They're only four four points behind Bayern at the moment. So you never know, but as I always say, you know, don't pay attention to the table. It's Bayern. It's Bayern again. Um, but it is kind of cool to see at least a tiny, tiny little fight that and at the end of the day will be meaningless. Leipzig beat Firth 6-1. Um, Leipzig continue to roll. Christopher Nkunku just got his first French France call-up, which is great to see. Well-deserved. He's been playing so well this season. Um, that's about it for the weekend. Bayern, of course, moved on in the Champions League. Frankfurt are going to play Betis later tonight uh, after we record this podcast. And um, Leipzig's tie with Spartak Moscow is canceled. So that's pretty much it for the Bundesliga. Um, got a couple more months left, and we're getting close to the end here. Yeah, and we'll... Be with you all the way for the rest of the season in all our five leagues. So that has been the conclusion of the podcast for this week. Um, we are heading to France on the weekend, unless some tragedy happens with COVID and we can't make it. But obviously, I hope to bring you some vlogs, some YouTube vlogs. Um, and if anyone's listening does know where I can find a Fabinho Monica shirt, then please let me know in our DMs on Twitter. Um, but I have been your host, Andy. This has been Ryan. This has been Naeem. This has been Jonathan. And we will see you next time. See you later, guys.